Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Thank you for listening to Bible Truth for Living. This is your host, Pastor Tim Reynolds. Today we begin in Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. The title of our message today is A Mother's Faith. Now, this uh, this passage of scripture is often referred to as the Syrophoenician or the Canaanite woman's daughter being healed. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21, then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Now that would be modern day Lebanon on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him saying, send her away for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt for her daughter and her daughter was made whole from that very hour. You know, it is very often that the faith of a wife or a mother is instrumental to the faith of an entire household and influencing her husband and children to follow after Jesus Christ. I'll give you three examples. One of them would be Katharina Luther. She was the wife of reformer Martin Luther. Katharina Luther rose up at 4 a.m. every day to oversee and manage the family farm and the family finances. She gave birth to six children and helped raise an additional four orphans over their years of marriage. And so while we know Martin Luther as the great reformer, uh, Katharina Luther was behind the scenes, very instrumental in helping lead the entire family. Susanna Wesley, Uh, gave birth to 19 children. How would you like uh, to do that? That's a lot of children, one of which became the founder of Methodism. That would be John Wesley. The other, uh, a prolific hymn writer, Charles Wesley. So out of those 19, you have these two boys. One of them was a great preacher, founded Methodism, and Charles Wesley was a great hymn writer. Both of them credited what they called the kitchen prayers of their mother, uh, to as being essential to their pursuit into the ministry. And then let me give you one more, and that is Morrow Graham. She was the mother of evangelist Billy Graham. Billy Graham said that it was her, Morrow Graham, his mother, who had the greatest influence on him above everything and everyone else that was so essential to his coming to Christ and, of course, being the great evangelist that he was. In regards to his faith, or to her faith, rather, He said it was nothing spectacular, but a daily consistency in her faith that was essential in shaping me. So we are thankful for our mothers and grandmothers. You think in the Bible, uh, you have young Timothy, uh, where he he is told uh, in regards to his mother and grandmother to carry on their tradition of faith. In the text we're looking at today, Jesus is approached by a mother who is desperate to see her daughter healed. 
But this is no ordinary mother, and this is no ordinary situation. It is filled with some great spiritual truths that I would like to bring out from the text. The first thing I want us to see is the mother's dilemma. We see her past in verse 22 when the Bible says she was a woman of Canaan. Now, the Canaanites were a pagan, immoral, idol-worshiping people. In fact, ancient Israel was told to drive the Canaanites out of the land because they would corrupt uh, the Israelites. And so as we see throughout history, the Jews just did not associate with the Canaanites. So that's the sort of background this woman has. Being a Canaanite, that also means that she was a Gentile, not a Jew. And so here she is, and she's a Canaanite woman. She has a, she has a past. And let me tell you, every one of us have a past. Uh, sometimes we tend to forget that if we've been saved for a long time. Uh, but every one of us have things in our past that we probably uh, regret, things we would change. And this woman was no different. She had no control over this, though. She was a Canaanite and had a past. And then she has a present dilemma, and that dilemma is her daughter's uh, demon possession. She says, my daughter is grievously vexed. That means she is, oh, she's severely tormented with a devil or a demon. Now, the absence of God in the Canaanite culture, uh, along with their idolatry, their idol worship, their immorality, this had exposed the Canaanites to a heightened demonic influence and demonic activity. Anytime God is taken out of a culture, I don't care what culture it is, something will fill that vacuum. It's a spiritual vacuum. When God is removed from a culture, uh, Satan and his demons will, will take over. And, you know, I, I'm afraid we're seeing that in America today. We've, we've escorted God out of our schools, out of our government institutions. We've legalized drugs. Of course, we have a big issue going on right now with uh, Roe versus Wade and the abortion issue, LGBT movement, and all of these things. Once God is removed from the culture, man just becomes more and more immoral all the time, wanting to do his own thing. And that is what that is what has happened here in this Canaanite culture. So now she's dealing with a daughter who is uh, apparently demon possessed. Each of us have a present dilemma. If you're listening today, you probably have something you're dealing with. It may be a family issue. It may be a, a health issue. It could be your finances. But we all have a past. We all have a present. And here's something else: her position creates a dilemma. Now I'll explain what that means. In verse 22, she says, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. And then verse 23 says, but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him saying, send her away for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, what does all this mean? Well, let me explain. She addresses Jesus as the son of David. Now, as the son of David, that is a reference to his humanity as the Messiah. All right, the Jews believe the Messiah will come from the kingly line of David. So she addresses him as son of David, as the Messiah. But there's a problem. She's a Canaanite. She's a Gentile. She has no connection to Jesus as the son of David. As such, Jesus says, I've come to the house of Israel. I haven't come to anyone else. I have come just for the Jewish people. And that's what Jesus did. When he came the first time in human flesh, the Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 11, he came into his own. That would be his own people, the, the house of Israel, what we call the Jewish people. But
but his own received him not. They ended up rejecting him and crucifying him. Now, let me explain this. And, and we see Jesus doesn't answer her. He doesn't even want to speak to her at this point, it seems like. What's going on? Every unsaved person has a similar dilemma. We have a past, we have a present, and we have a positional dilemma. What do I mean by that? Well, as Gentiles, we are outside of the promises of Abraham. You see, God had promised certain things to Abraham. It's called the Abrahamic covenant and to the Jewish people. They are his earthly people. And Paul mentions this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. He says, wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh. All right. In the Bible, you, you have two groups of people, Jews and Gentiles. All right. So he's writing to Gentiles here. And he says, you were, you were Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that, which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by, uh, made by hands. Now, uh, the circumcision, the act of circumcision was given to the Jewish people. All right. That began with Abraham. And when it mentions the circumcision, it refers to the Jews. The uncircumcision refers to the Gentiles. I hope that does not confuse you. Now, we're going to get to the real issue here in regards to to the Gentiles. That being at that time, you were without Christ before we were saved. Not only were we without Christ, but here's the next part. Being aliens, that means strangers from the commonwealth of Israel. Strangers uh, from the covenant of promise having no hope and without God in the world. As Gentiles, we would have no connection to Abraham and those promises made to the Jewish people. So without Christ, we're just shut out. We, we have no hope. We're without God in the world. <laughs> but I like verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, you were Gentiles, you had no access to the promises, no access to God, no access to heaven. You are now made nigh or near by the blood of Christ. Here's what that means. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ, both Jews and Gentiles come to God in one way, and that's only through the precious blood of Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Uh, Jews don't go to heaven automatically just because they're Jews. Gentiles don't either. We don't go to heaven because of our goodness, because of how much money we make, how much prestige we have in this world has absolutely nothing to do with it. The only thing that brings us to God and allows us the opportunity to go to heaven is by repenting of our sin and accepting Jesus Christ and his shed blood as our only way to heaven. And that puts us in right position. So before a person is saved, they have a past dilemma, they have a present dilemma, and they have a positional dilemma. The very same thing this woman in our text is dealing with. Now, we're going to go back now to our text there in Matthew 15 and continue. We see the mother's dilemma, and now we see the mother's desperation. You know, when a mother is desperate for her child, there are no limits to what she will do. Time is not a factor. Distance is not a factor. Money is not a factor. Pride is not a factor. They just want to see that child healed. And we see that same thing with this woman. Now, so far, Jesus isn't answering her. The disciples are saying, send her away. Jesus has said, I've just come to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And you would think she would certainly just walk away. She would give up, but she doesn't. But, and we see her honor here toward the Lord in verse 25, because it says, then came she and worshiped him. 
this former idol worshiper, this Canaanite, is now worshiping Jesus. I can see her on her knees as she begins to give honor and reverence to Jesus. She has already repented. She says, have mercy on me. She's asking for mercy. That's repentance. And then she recognizes who he is by worshiping him. Now, my question, and the Bible doesn't tell us this answer, we'll find out in heaven, is how did this Gentile Canaanite woman come to know Jesus as more than just a healer, but she saw him as God? How do we know she saw him as God? Because she worshiped him. She wasn't just worshiping him as a healer, as a good man, but she's actually worshiping him as God, and she gives him honor. And then we see her humility because after she worships, she says, Lord, help me. You know, sometimes we think we have to come up with a lot of words to somehow get God's attention. Uh, We have to pray big flowery prayers. Well, this is nothing fancy. She says, Lord, help me. You know, that's exactly where God wants us to be. That's where God wants the sinner to be. Listen, as long as a sinner believes, uh, you know, I'm doing okay on my own, or, uh, you know, God is getting a good deal when he gets me. Oh, no. <laughs> We've got to come to the point where we are absolutely at the end of our rope, and all we can do is say, Lord, help me. I can't do it on my own. I can't fix this problem on my own. You know, even as Christians, sometimes we try to solve our own problems and our families, our finances, or, or what have you. And God wants us to get to the point where we simply say, Lord, help me. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. You are the only answer that I have. That's what God wants. You know, God brought Saul to that point. If you remember Saul, before we knew him as Paul, uh, was on his way to persecute Christians. And it took him being knocked down to the ground and blinded uh, for him to say, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? He had to come to the end of his rope. Same thing with the Philippian jailer. As he was about to uh, kill himself because he was afraid all the prisoners had left. Whenever the prison, if you remember the story there in the book of Acts, the prison bars shook and, and were open. And Paul said, hold on, we're all here. And the Philippian jailer said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? He was at the end of his rope. He had no answer. And that's exactly where God wants us. And that's where this woman is as we see her humility. And then we see the mother's determination. Now, Jesus gives her one more test in verse 26. But he answered and said, it is not meat or it's not good to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Now, <laughs> Let me explain what Jesus is saying here and then, and then give you the, the, what the test is here. First of all, who are the children? The children's bread. The children, he is referring to the house of Israel, the Jews. He says to take the children's bread. That bread is a reference to himself, Jesus as the bread of life. He says it's not meat, it's not good to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Who are the dogs? Well, that was a common Jewish reference to Gentiles. The Gentile, the Jews saw the Gentiles as dirty dogs. Uh, now, if Jesus had said this to just about any person, let alone any, any woman, uh, they would turn and walk away because this seems like a, an insult. Because basically he says, it's not good for, to take me who has come for the Jews and offer you to the to the Gentiles, these Gentile dogs. And you would think, well, that will that just sounds terrible. She'll walk away. She will give up. 
But Jesus is not insulting her. He is testing her faith to see if she really is sincere about what she's after here. And we know she is sincere because of her response. Listen to her testimony in verse 27. And she said, truth, Lord. She doesn't argue. She doesn't say, well, who do you think you are talking to me like that? She just says, truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. What a great response. What does she mean by that? Well, there are two things I see here. Number one, she is saying, even though I'm a Gentile, I would be considered a dog to the Jews. I am content with the crumbs of the gospel. Just give me enough of the gospel. You know, I quoted a while ago, John 1 11. He came into his own and his own received him not. But listen to verse 12. But as many as received him, that would be Jew or Gentile, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them who believe on his name. What we see here is a woman who is willing to say, I'll take the gospel in any way I can get it. In fact, she's already called him Lord three times. She sees him as Lord. The Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so she is content. She says, just, just, Jesus, give me some of you. I'm content with that. Not only that, but she also recognized him, not just as the Messiah. Remember, she's already referred to him as the son of David. That's a Jewish term referring to the Messiah. But she mentions the crumbs which fall from their master's table. She also references Jesus, not as only Messiah, but as master, as Lord. The word is Adonai. She is saying, Jesus, you are the one who is in total control. You are the Lord. You have all the answers. I have no one else to go to. And when Jesus puts her test to the faith, she doesn't fail the test. She comes away with an even greater testimony. And then we see in verse 28, the master's declaration. Now, three times we see Jesus say, or the Bible tell us Jesus but he answered, but he answered, but he answered. He seems to put her off each time. But verse 28 begins with the word then. Now she gets it. Now she has passed that test of faith. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. You see, he was wanting her to reveal her faith in him. The focus of this entire passage of scripture is not on the daughter's healing. Sometimes we place so much emphasis on that. You know, a lot of our prayer requests are about physical healing, and that's that's natural, I guess. We live in these bodies, but the physical healing is not the important thing. Did you know, in fact, that every person Jesus healed in the Bible eventually died? Think about that. So the physical healing is not the primary focus. The primary focus is the mother's faith. Great is thy faith. It was the faith of this mother that brought healing to the daughter, but also it is that faith of the mother that we're teaching today that is going to cause us to meet her one day in heaven. You see, a mother's faith is very powerful. Thank God for the faith of the mothers and, and wives in our life. I think of my own mother who is in heaven now. Uh, I, I grew up a preacher's kid in a preacher's home, and my dad was always the one preaching, but mom had a great spiritual influence on myself and, and my brothers as well. My wife is the same way in our family. Melissa, she is she is the rock, the strength of our family. And thank God for strong uh, ladies in the church. I want to close with a poem uh, 
about a godly mother. And it goes like this. A godly mother is a treasure, a gift more precious than gold. Her children rise up and call her blessed, and in high esteem they do hold. Her love is like that of our Savior, who sacrificed his own life, that we might live joyful, godly lives in a troubled world of strife. Her heart is like his, holding us close, no matter how far we roam, and her arms are always open wide to forgive and welcome home. Her hands are busy molding our lives from the moment we are born, planting seeds, loving, disciplining, even when weary and worn. Her feet are always careful to go where her child can follow there. How could we thank our mothers enough for their tender, loving care? A godly mother fervently prays for that child she loves so much, for she knows the fruit of her vineyard depends on the master's touch. I love that poem. What a great poem. Moms and wives, thank you so much for your godly influence. The most important thing you can do for your children is not to teach them how to uh, just be good people or uh, throw a ball or or fix a good meal or anything like that. The greatest thing you can do is to pass down a godly heritage to your children, to know that they're saved and that they love the Lord. Everything else is icing on the cake, but it's going to be left behind. And the only thing that you can take to heaven with you is your family. And so let me encourage you to uh, be that kind of mother, a mother of faith. Well, as we close the radio broadcast, I want to remind you that our messages are also available on our new Bible Truth podcast. You can go to your favorite podcast host, and there's a number of them, iHeartRadio, Spotify, um, iTunes, just a lot of them. If you will search Bible Truth Podcast, Tim Reynolds, you will find all of our messages on there that we uh, also preach and teach on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, as well as all of these Bible uh, Truth programs on the radio. These are on the podcast. I also occasionally do prophecy updates and um, uh, Christian news updates. I'm planning to do some interviews as well uh, as we get our podcast going. And let me encourage you to spread the word about that because the good thing about this is you're not locked down to a certain time like you are with the radio broadcast. With the podcast, you can upload it to your phone, uh, your computer, your tablet, whatever. And then when you're cleaning house or you're mowing the yard out for a walk, you can tune in to all of the Bible preaching and teaching on the Bible Truth podcast. And then also, I'd like to give you a personal invitation to either church that I have the privilege of pastoring. Mount Vernon Baptist Temple, first of all, is located at 817 Woodland Drive in Mount Vernon, Illinois. Sunday school begins at 9 o'clock, morning worship at 10 o'clock, Sunday night service at 6 p.m., and Wednesday service at 6 p.m. You can call us at 618-244-5404 or visit online at mountvernonbaptisttemple.com. And then Waltonville Community Church, we're at 321 South Hiring Street. We begin every Sunday morning at 11.15 a.m. And uh, you can contact us at 618-315-1111 or waltonvillecommunitychurch.com. I'd like to also mention those who support the broadcast. You know, several of you uh, support us on a monthly basis. 
I've had a couple of uh, friends recently who have given sizable gifts to the program to help us pay for radio time and helping us get our podcast ministry going. All of that is just from free will love offerings that folks uh, support the broadcast with. And I want to thank you personally. You know who you are and you know what a blessing that you are. And I could not do this on my own, uh, pay for the radio time and get a podcast uh, ministry going if it were not for the faithful financial support of people like you. And I thank you so much. If you appreciate the truths of God's word being preached, being taught on the radio and on the podcast, and you want to be a partner with us, you can do that by writing to us at Bible Truth for Living, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Whatever you give toward that goes directly to the ministry, and uh, we appreciate you considering that. Well, we pray you have a wonderful day, and we look forward to being with you at the next appointed time. Until then, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds saying, may God bless you is my prayer. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois 62864. Thank you for listening.